0: Chapter 10 of The Lonely Lady of Grosvenor Square. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Ruhi Huck, The Lonely Lady of Grosvenor Square, by Mrs. Henry de la Pasture. Chapter 10. Cecilia. So Jean found herself once more alone in the Grosvenor square house, but this time fortified by her uncle Robert's opinion that here and here only lay her duty towards her brother. As she entered the hall, she was surprised to find that, again, she experienced not a little of the unpleasant sensation of homecoming. She opened the door of the morning room and looked quite affectionately at the familiar furniture. After all, how pretty and luxurious it now appeared to her! Even though she might consider it far more delightful and interesting to pluck a handful of snowdrops fresh from the wet earth for herself, yet she could not refuse to acknowledge the loveliness of the forced spring flowers which filled every corner of the morning room jean was too inexperienced to be aware of the cost of those flowers the florist's bill was presented quarterly and as it had been agreed that the accustomed ways of the household should be continued without change until louise's return no check had been placed upon hewitt's taste for decoration the great pale waxen bells of hyacinths in gilt brackets filled the room with an almost overpowering sweetness daffodils and yellow tulips shone like sunshine in dark corners a sheaf of lilies of the valley was set beside the book of beauty and the silver bowl was filled with large double parma violets it is like spring come indoors cried jeanne with a long breath of delight i am very glad you are pleased with it ma'am said hewitt with almost a gardener's pride for had he not set the flowers in their places with his own hands a card has been left for you ma'am during your absence and he presented decorously a small solitary pasteboard in the midst of a large salver on the card was inscribed the name of the duchess of monaghan and above the name was scribbled in a very illegible handwriting wednesday four thirty. music very small Jean was obliged to apply to dunham for the meaning of this mysterious communication it means her grace will be at home on wednesday ma'am to be sure said dunham her sallow wrinkled face grew pink with excitement and she hopes you will come at four-thirty and there'll be music going on do you mean she will be giving a party if it was a party ma'am it's not very likely she would ask you with your poor aunt not two months in her grave i would not like to show any disrespect to aunt caroline i will write and explain said jean dunham instantly relented and took the opposite view it isn't likely the duchess would wish to show disrespect either miss jean you may be very sure of that you see how careful she has been to write very small that means there's but a few invited not half london crowding to her house as she'd have if she was giving a real party Being a relation and nothing formal about the invitation, I don't say you mightn't go. I'm sure my poor lady would have liked to think they remembered the connection, however late in the day i wish i had been at home when she called i could have asked her all about it said Jean regretfully bless me ma'am you don't think she asked for you said dunham reproachfully the footman just handed in the card but she was in the carriage for i saw her myself from the window tis a great compliment her coming at all You being but young, as one might say, and her such a great lady, and the penny post so handy for invitations, depend upon it, she repents not having shown more civility to my poor lady while she could, and is trying to make up for it, but to ask to come in on a first visit. I don't know to be sure what may be the fashion nowadays, but in my poor lady's time she would never have dreamt of anything but leaving her card at the door for that.' said dunham tossing her head wednesday and this is only friday what a long time to wait said Jean excitedly however it will be something to look forward to and mrs dunham i-i asked uncle roberts if it would matter very much if if my cousin i mean the duke called upon me now and then whilst i was here alone and he said he could not see any harm at all in it No more can I, ma'am, now his mamma have been, said Dunham with great dignity. It just makes all the difference in the world, as I told you, Miss Jane. If you remember, I'm sure his grace can't call at this house too often to please me. I'm only sorry he didn't think to come a little sooner when your poor auntie was alive to hear of it. Jean could not help feeling that Dunham, as usual, had got the better of her in her small attempt at self-assertion. On the morrow, the current of her thoughts was changed by the appearance of a paragraph in the morning post to the effect that Mr. and Mrs. Hogg-Watson had returned from their travels in South America to their house in Queen's Gate. This time, there cannot be any mistake in my going to call, Jean said to herself, with not a little pleasurable excitement. If I know anybody in this world, it is Cecilia. And there could not be two couples with such a name as Hogg Watson travelling in South America at the same time. And, after all, though Cecilia and I had our quarrels, we had a good deal of fun together. She has probably improved in all sorts of ways since she married. She can't be spoilt like she used to be. And I long to see her children. I can ask them all to come and see me. How delightful and cheerful it will be. She drove across the park to Queen's Gate that very afternoon, without waiting for Sunday to intervene that Cecilia might get settled. Mrs. Hogg-Watson was at home, and a very smart parlour-maid conducted Jean upstairs and into a large, empty drawing-room. Jean looked round her and decided that the apartment bore the strong impress of her friend's personality. Cecilia was fair, and her favourite colour in her girlhood had been blue, consequently the room was almost dazzling in its variety of azure tints. The walls and carpet and curtains were blue. The furniture was covered with blue brocade, and the water-colour drawings which were hung upon the walls appeared to have been selected solely for the hue of the sea and sky which predominated therein. All the cushions were white muslin covers tied up with blue sash ribbons, and the writing table appointments were of blue morocco i suppose cecilia will wear a blue dress i wonder why she is so long thought Jean. after a few minutes patient waiting i am sure she will never guess who it is for though i said my name three times i saw the maid had not the least idea what it was when cecilia at length came into the room however rather breathless and apologetic with the air of one who had just completed a hasty toilet she was not wearing blue but a fawn-coloured gown of a very elegant parisian make closely fitting her tall tall figure which had amplified since her girlhood but her charms though somewhat full-blown was still considerable, and in spite of a double chin, she possessed every claim to be considered a handsome woman that could be set forth by a white skin, healthy colouring, abundant fair hair, and fine proportions. Perhaps it was Jean's fancy that, on perceiving who it was, Cecilia drew back momentarily and dropped some of the impressement with which she had been prepared to greet her visitor. "'Good gracious, I had no idea it was you, Jenny,' she said." "'Fancy your being in London. What are you doing here, pray?' She kissed her erstwhile playmate in rather a perfunctory and affected manner, and Jean's easily disturbed colour rose. When, in the candid days of childhood, Jean and Cecilia had disagreed, which was not seldom, and would have been oftener, but for the yielding disposition of the younger, they had called each other Jenny and Sissy. At other times, they had always been Jean and Cecilia— thus by mutual consent, solacing each other's wounded dignity by ignoring the detested nicknames bestowed by homely and undiscerning parents and guardians. Jean, though meek, was yet but mortal woman, and she returned Cecilia's greeting with spirit. I am in London because I live in London, and I came to visit you, Cecy, because I saw you had just arrived. Cecilia executed a well-acted little start of surprise at the sound of her abbreviated Christian name, but jean's determined bearing did not relax in the slightest degree though inwardly she was conscious of a disgraceful inclination to shed tears we might have been absent from home a long time travelling in south america said cecilia with elaborate politeness so i saw in the papers said jean with equally defiant formality there came a feeble rattle at the door-handle jean looked at cecilia with a sudden interest she could not help and cecilia thought a very little Open the door said a child's voice without it's joey how very naughty the children are never allowed in the drawing-room without being sent for said mrs hogg watson affectedly but she rustled across the blue carpet to open the door jean rose too in her excitement fancy cecilia with children of her own she almost forgot the frigidity of her old friend's reception in her desire to behold joey oh let me see him she cried i dress him rather quaintly he is number four i have seven altogether isn't it awful in nine years said cecilia languidly i lost one pneumonia you see he is dressed as bubbles after Millet's picture the back view of bubbles was distinctly captivating there was the little green suit and frill and joey's large mop of flaxen curls crowned his shrimp-like body but when he removed his head from his mother's skirt to look at the visitor alas the face was the face of mr hogg watson and anything less like the face of bubbles could hardly be conceived he has beautiful hair said jean hush he will hear and i don't want him to be made vain said cecilia without looking at her where have you been walking joey in tensington gardens said joey did nana leave that note for mammy yes nana did leave it what are you trying to get away for i want to see the tarriage said joey struggling from his parents embraces and escaping to the window whither cecilia pursued him during this conversation mrs hogg watson devoted both her eyes and her attention exclusively to her son whilst her visitors sat apart embarrassed and neglected on the sofa to which she had returned on finding her overtures to joey repulsed whence this newly acquired absence of mind and affectation of languor on the part of cecilia who had always been rather brisk and decided even sharp in speech and manner was it the result of marriage or merely assumed to overawe her humble friend cecilia had never been very sympathetic jean remembered but at least she had been real and even full of vitality her disappointment was keen but her heart was too tender to give up all her hopes of friendship in a moment and she took the unwise course of reminding cecilia of that humble past which mrs hogg greatly preferred to ignore i have just been down to penny won cecilia she said wistfully but the rectory was shut up as of course you know mr jones of Trefgog takes the duties it's ages since you've been there isn't it the old garden looks exactly the same and the swing is still up where we used to play and when i saw your name in the paper i was so glad for it seemed to make london less empty all of a sudden london empty said cecilia with a shrill laugh i've scarcely a moment to myself even at this time of the year i suppose you have a great many friends said Jean with a sigh heaps of a kind acquaintances and so forth said cecilia vaguely but they come and go she added in a hurry as though she was afraid that her old friend were about to ask her for introductions to this wide evanescent circle she affected once more to be absorbed in her son Come away, Joey, and don't flatten oo little nose against the window pane any more. Won't you turn to, Mammy, like a dude boy? Jean's rising tears were dried by the scorn which all honest natures, however gentle, feel for affectation. She began to button her little black cloth jacket, which she had opened on account of the heat of the unscreened fire preparatory to rising if she can't be natural i won't stop and make ridiculous conversation with her she thought and her face burnt with indignation there's the tarriage said joey ignoring his parents blandishments what carriage mine said jean in a trembling voice and she rose from the sofa yours what do you mean said cecilia in her natural tones of alert curiosity who drove you here my coachman said jean with a dignity belied by her beating heart jenny to be going about in a large double brougham drawn by a pair of fat grey horses and driven by her own coachman cecilia was astounded are you married she cried with a gasp it appeared to her the only possible solution no i am not married and the carriage belongs to louise said jean repenting of her unwonted assumption of a magnificence not truly her own louise if cecilia wished to hear more she must swallow all pretence to indifference and ask questions this was jean's revenge for the coolness of her reception mrs hogg watson's curiosity easily overcame her exclusiveness run away to the nursery directly joey you are crumpling the curtains you naughty child go at once she said in a voice which bubbles apparently recognised as one to be feared and obeyed for he trotted obediently out of the room leaving the door open which his mother shut behind him you are not going yet jean oh i see the fire is scorching you let me put the screen sit down again for heaven's sake and tell me about louise is he in london no he is in somaliland or on the way said jean and i am taking care of his house which was left to him last december by my great-aunt miss Marney of orsett i'm sure i never heard of her said cecilia staring no we never thought about her uncle roberts knew she was alive but he did not even know where she lived till she sent for me and then she died and so here i am all alone at ninety-nine grosvenor square Crossvenor square cried cecilia gasping once more it's not one of the largest houses said jean apologetically mrs dunham says they differ very much but it seems like a palace to me, of course. Cross Venice Square? Do you mean round a corner in a side street? Said Cecilia suspiciously. No, I do not. It is in Cross Venice Square. But then, your aunt must have been very rich. Yes, she was very rich. And she has left everything she had in the world to Louise and nothing to you. It is the same thing, said Jean, my dear. It's nothing of the kind. If you were married, you'd find that out quickly enough. But how like Mamma, who wrote only a few weeks ago on a postcard and said you had gone to London, not even to mention it was Crossvenner Square, said Cecilia indignantly. Of course, I thought you had just gone up for a treat. She merely put a PS, Jenny going to London. I suppose you know Mamma and I have a coolness? we quarrelled outright six months ago and i decided not to answer her letters at all till she had calmed down so she seldom writes now Jean's discretion was outweighed by her pity for mrs davis oh cissy she said you have almost broken her heart cecilia could bear home troops without wincing from people who lived in grosvenor square It's all very well, Jean, she said in deprecating tones. But you've no idea what it is to be married and your people expecting you to go on just the same as though you were a little girl at home and write to them everything that happens about twice a week. Actually, on my honeymoon, Mamma wrote to me every day and expected me to answer her letters. Not but what I had more time then than I have ever had since for Joseph." went roaming round moping old-picture galleries from morning till night and nearly drove me mad till I hit on the excellent plan of staying. It gave me neuralgia and let him go by himself. Why can't Mamma console herself with Tom or Jim? They would be only too glad. But no, she must run after me because I am the only girl. Though she has two sons, i suppose she has cried over my heartlessness to you many a time and said i put nothing in my letters when i did write oh cecilia would she be likely to give you away like that to me well i didn't put much admitted cecilia how could i living in another world as i do and mamma not knowing any of my friends what was there to say there were the children oh the children the way people go on about them i'm sure i'm a good mother if ever there was one i try to make pictures of them what clothes and hair will do is done but it's a little hard on me that they are all hog watsons you remember what a pretty child i used to be said cecilia modestly but really otherwise i have little to do with them joseph is a great authority on education and health and mamma's old-fashioned ways would not suit him at all I should be obliged to keep them apart if only for that. Imagine he chooses their nurses and governesses, all German, and even their toys and pictures, all diet lists. Luckily, such things don't interest me, or I should have rebelled long ago. But think of Mamma interfering. You remember the ridiculous way she used to dose us with her patent medicines? And I am sure. We learnt nothing at all with the prim old governess she thought so much of. We did not learn much jean was obliged to admit i feel the defects of my early education terribly i can assure you now that i am married to a celebrity said cecilia is he a celebrity my dear crowned heads visit him said cecilia reproachfully "He's known all over europe and america and his scientific books are standard works but i suppose they think nothing of that in pen Yvon, and coedithel though to be sure i am obliged to be very careful what i let out to mamma about who comes here or she would expect to be asked to meet them on the spot a thing i scarcely expect myself i assure you people are most jealous and disagreeable they think nothing of asking joseph to their houses and ignoring my existence altogether and does he go said jean well sometimes i am bound to say that he does said cecilia candidly though it makes very little difference to me she added pathetically for when he stays at home he is so absorbed in his work that i scarcely see him what is his work don't ask me said cecilia shuddering he calls himself a bacteriologist and dreadful things of that kind which i don't even pretend to be able to pronounce chiefly dissecting germs and microbes so far as i know he never speaks of anything connected with his work to me and he has forbidden me to speak of it to him you know how cranky these professors are he's a professor of chemistry and all sorts of things you know and a member of scientific academies in rome and philadelphia and berlin and heaven knows where i often tell him he forgets he has a wife at all think of dragging me all over south america collecting mosquitoes and then coming home in february of all times do you take the children good heavens no We were uncomfortable enough without that. As far as that goes, he wanted to leave me with them. But I insisted on going with him, and for once I got my way. Jean, stop and have tea with me, and you will see him. He condescends to come in for a cup of tea sometimes. Though he hates this room simply because it is done up according to my taste. But I saw him at your wedding. Still, it was only for a moment, and I don't think I should recognize him, said Jean. "'It is so long ago, nine years,' sighed Cecilia. "'You must be getting on, Jean, and yet I declare you look as childish as ever. "'I wonder, you never married. "'Do you mean to say there has been no one, absolutely no one?' "'No one at all,' said Jean, blushing. "'Not in all these years. "'There is Louis. "'He has been enough for me. "'We are too fond of each other, I suppose, to think about falling in love. "'Oh, my dear, ridiculous!' brothers and sisters are all very well they are not everything well you surprise me for i always thought you pretty in your dark sort of way you know but perhaps now you are up here we shall see how you blush does that mean you have someone in your eye i have no one in my eye said jean almost angrily oh cecilia do not talk about it please you are surely not going to be coy said cecilia severely at your age jean it would be a pity if you could not talk things over sensibly why at twenty-five i was the mother of six already and a seventh but no matter so you have not even had a chance to get married though to be sure who is there to marry at Pennyuan? it was a miracle joseph turning up i shall never forget my first view of him at the archaeological picnic at trefcock archaeology is his recreation his recreation if you will believe me he went poking about the ruins in spectacles and gave a lecture afterwards and i didn't understand a single word of it and thought what a dull creature he was and yet you married him in a month my dear anybody would have married joseph if he'd wanted to make them he's one of those ugly powerful men who fascinates women said cecilia solemnly nobody can say i have a jealous disposition but if you could see how they run after him still I only wish they could see him at home in some of his moods. I assure you, Jean, he is absolutely violent when he is annoyed, and I verily believe he has the worst temper in the world. Jean, somewhat shocked and distressed by such revelations, sought in vain for words to convey her sympathy as delicately as possible to this much-enduring wife. But she was relieved of her difficulty by Cecilia's calmly proceeding to add, Not but what I rather like a man with a bad temper myself. Well, to return to that picnic, there were half a dozen women there, trying their best to attract him by jabbering science to him. If they had but known how he hated it, if there is any jabbering of that kind to be done, he naturally likes to do it himself. He determined to marry me the instant he set eyes on me. He has a weakness for fair complexions. You see what a wreck mine is now? But what can you expect? Seven children and nine years, she repeated mournfully. I think, Cecilia, if you ask me, that you are much better looking than you used to be, said Jean consolingly. And you know how you were always pretty. Of course, you are a little plumper, but not more than is becoming. I am sure it's very kind of you to say so, said Cecilia, in pleased and softened tones. Of course, I have every advantage of dress now to set me off. I will say Joseph doesn't grudge me that— and she glanced with some complacency at her own reflection in the pyre glass opposite the sofa well jean we were always friends you know off and on and if i were a little reserved when you first came in i hope you will put it down to she paused imperceptibly to my thinking that you were on mamma's side and all that and come to reproach me as the penny-won neighbours do whenever we meet as though a celebrity's wife in another sphere could keep up with them all. Jean accepted her friend's apologies very willingly, and if any doubts of Cecilia's sincerity still lurked in her heart, did her best to suppress them. She was at once too lonely and too generous to desire any quarrel with her first friend. Even if Cecilia were not as disinterested in her affection as could be wished, it must still be more lively to sit and talk with her, than to mope in solitary silence at home so your aunt left you no money i must say that was a great shame said cecilia warmly what will become of you when Louis marries so good-looking as he used to be he is certain to marry now why even in the old days i used to think if he hadn't been younger than i he never showed the slightest inclination to marry anybody said jean jealously not to you i dare say said cecilia shrewdly One's brothers don't tell one everything. My brother does, said Jean. Oh, my dear, so you think. But one never can tell with one's brothers. Look at Tom. What a creature he has married. I never see him now. Louise is very unlike Tom. Men are all alike in some ways, my dear, said Cecilia, with the pitying superiority of the married woman talking to the Spencer. Of course, Louise will marry now that he is rich. Surely you could not be so selfish as to wish him. Not to? Some day, of course, said Jean, I want him to marry. But he promised me faithfully, long ago, that he would never marry anyone I didn't like. So it will be all right, and I shan't mind when the time comes. Still, I may hope, without being selfish, that it won't come just yet. He has his career to think about first. I don't see how one can expect to like one's brother's wives, said Cecilia. They always marry some horrid woman or other. Men are so easily taken in. Joseph's sisters can't bear me, and I never even troubled to be civil to them, knowing very well that it would be no use. He goes to see his people by himself, and as they are all scientific together, I'm sure it's no loss. But you'll come and see me, entreated Jean. Certainly I will, said Cecilia. I can assure you I know very well what it is to be alone joseph goes to the most outlandish places and if he can slip off without me he will imagine at his age going out to south africa to fight no no not to fight he was a surgeon in his youth and thought he could be of use of course nobody wanted him i felt sure of that he was much too old but that is joseph all over if he has made up his mind to do a thing he does it so off he went in spite of all i could say though he was quite violent when i suggested i might go with him and nurse some of the officers my heart goes out to the wounded men but you will be wanting to go shopping jean and i really might help you over that she cast an expressive glance at jean's plain dress i can show you where to buy all the nicest clothes and you can't be wearing mourning much longer just for a great aunt indeed i want to show every respect in my power to poor aunt caroline It is the least I can do, said Jean. I suppose Louise inheriting her money does make a difference, said Cecilia calmly. Jean gave up all attempts to explain that the fortune had nothing to do with it. There were some things Cecilia had never been able to understand. One was Jean's reverence for her French descent, which Cecilia had always honestly deplored and they had once called each other, Jenny and Sissy, for a week, because she had casually remarked there was generally something rather fishy about foreign blood. Louise had finally forbidden his sister to mention the sacred subject of the Ancienne Noblesse at the rectory, and she implicitly obeyed his orders. And the cause of this particular quarrel was eventually almost forgotten. "'I will go shopping with you, or do anything you like,' said Jean happily." And I hope you will come to me as soon as possible, for I long to show you the house. Let me just take a squint at my engagement book and we'll settle it at once, said Cecilia importantly. And let me see how tiresome of Joseph. I want you to know him so much. And he does not seem inclined to come in. They must have told him I had a visitor. How would it be if I brought him to dine with you one night? Quite quietly, you know. Only our three selves in Grosvenor Square. It would be very kind of you indeed, said the lonely lady, gratefully. End of chapter 10